0: Jim Joyce, I had to clear my go. throat last couple of times. I've I've been there off go. Here and there.
1: infused. I'm infused with uh, Eugene enthusiasm. Woo. Woo.
0: <laughs> and and I and right, and right back at you from that perspective. I I look forward to our Wednesdays. I know we've been skipping our you know quick one on ones on Mondays. Just lots going on for both of us because you're. Travel. You're uh, very busy. I saw you ringing the bell. I was a little envious. Uh, yeah. Then you. I was invited. I know. I know. I just. I. I really yeah. wish I could be there with you. Um, then I was invited to as well to your vision event that we've talked about right. with some of the guests. So uh, give give us like thirty seconds on your Mr. Sure, CEO sure, sure. travels.
1: Yeah yeah so well as you know we listed on Euronext back in December of 21 so we listed and you know what you can do with your stock is you can um, have it become traded in the US through what's called an over the counter so it's like a foreign share that you can trade it so you can now so now we so we rang the bell um, in Wall Street that our stock is now formally trading in the US under the ticker symbol HBCNF any kind of smart investors out there. (laughs) Why can't promote it in the sense that no Um, no so so it just it makes it accessible now to US investors, whereas you know, smaller institutions, you know, you know, family Funds and things like that might have had to might have had to open up a European account, so it's exciting. So we went, we we launched it. Then we went to the we booked the reception room. Um, we're not yet trading on the Nasdaq, you know, uh, but we booked a room at, at the Nasdaq and through brought in forty of the finest, you know, kind of we call friend of health beacon fobs, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the event. Yeah, yeah, And
0: then
1: and then right on the heels of that, because we didn't have enough going on, you know, we um, we had our first kind of inaugural kind of stakeholder event called uh, Health Beacon Vision event. We had the 100 awesome people in Boston, Beacon Hill, and we revealed the details of our new product you know, that's coming out. So um, as a company, we're going to start moving from injectables into other forms of medications like oral. So uh, awesome. so anyways, that's it. 30 seconds, a little more than that. That's what's going on it's a lot. That's all right. We'll <laughs> give you. I
0: mean, it's our show, so we can do whatever the heck we want to do. But... Let's let so our we'll, friend we'll... in here. <laughs> we'll do our show and tell, but um, yeah, let's let um, a dear friend, uh, Rasu Shrestha, is joining us. And, you know, usually when I say like Jim, Jim Joyce, where in the world is Jim Joyce and vice versa? But uh, Rasu is joining us from Rasu. Welcome.
1: Where's he? To... Where's he... Here we Whoa. are. Hey.
0: Oh, man. I'm, hold a on a second. I'm gonna go get a jacket <laughs> because this is this is not gonna work. <laughs>
2: so I, so I, what I got are we like rocking a, today? It says rock the uh, rock the <laughs> rock the <Cosma. laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah. What else? What else would it say?
2: Yeah. You know, very appropriate for Hump Day, right? It's Wednesday. I see a Wednesday. Camel on the- there you go. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, leave it to Rasu. I don't know if you two met, but leave it to Rasu <laughs> to find a great analogy and just put it out in the world. So love it, love it.
1: Good to see you. Good to meet you, Rasu. Have we been at Health Excel events or something together, or um Our paths my-
2: must have crossed. In the, in the, <laughs> well, uh, great to see you. Uh, great, good to, <laughs> good to see you here as so. well. Yep. Awesome.
0: Russell I know we've been uh, you know we typically are very meticulously unproduced uh, but we do try to give a little bit of a warning to guests so we finally have you on which is awesome. I think we've been you know we've been speaking back and forth and having you on um, yeah. for a while but you know for our millions of listeners and viewers take us through your story and then Jim and I as usual will will interrupt and
2: with some curiosity <laughs> <laughs> Well absolutely so chime in anytime. Um, well, really excited to finally be on and um, excited to speak to the both of you. Um, uh, you know, so my, my journey is one uh, that really has been spurred with curiosity and uh, and passion uh, and, and a desire to make a difference, right? And it is not unlike a lot of us that are doing what it is that we're doing in transforming healthcare and really trying to. Uh, get to the root of some of what I think are some of the more pressing challenges in, uh, in, in our industry. Um, but I started off my journey as a physician, right? So I went into med school ever since I remember, um, you know, from way back when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a doctor. Awesome. And that was primarily driven by my desire to make a difference in the life of a person and, uh, and to create impact. Um, and, and that's what drove me to med school, you know, went into radiology and uh, embraced uh, informatics and IT, um, and, uh, and then got into the space of innovation and strategy and transformation. And it's been quite the wild journey in the last three decades, but, uh, but it's all been driven by that, you know, innate sense of curiosity, uh, a desire to, um, you know, really make a difference and the passion to just connect at a very human level um, so that we can, you know, um, make not, not just incremental change but transformational change, which I think is really important, especially in uh, in the industry that we're in.
1: And where'd you, where'd you grow up, Russell?
2: Um, so mine's a pretty long story here, right? Um, so I we, got in- oh, we got
1: time. we got time? Okay, all right.
2: <laughs> So I, I was born in Kathmandu, Nepal, right? In the foothills oh, of the awesome. Himalayas, I say, and I ran, you know, rolled downhill from there <laughs> to, uh, no, not literally. But, um, yeah, we have the Kasbah,
1: we have Kathmandu. <laughs> there you go, there you go, that's right.
2: Yeah, from, from Kathmandu to the Kasbah, right? That's the title of our episode, maybe. But, um, so look, um I, I was born in Kathmandu, Nepal. My parents left when I barely started school and I grew up in Southeast Asia in Brunei, Malaysia, Singapore, that part of the world. Okay. Uh, I speak five languages, Malay being one of them. Um, you know, I, I went to college in Malaysia, Subang Jaya, just outside of Kuala Lumpur. Really okay. enjoyed my time there. I was in India for um, my medical training earlier on when it went back to Brunei and um and then London, right? So radiology, informatics, all that. So in London for, for a while and um, uh, did some work with Imperial College. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, it was uh, an informatics fellowship that really hooked me to uh, some of the elements of what we're doing here around um, health IT and innovation and transformation. Um, then I was in Los Angeles at USC, charged with informatics there and really enjoyed my time there while, while well, I was yeah. busy doing all of that, got my MBA at uh, the Marshall School of Business. Uh, this is some time back, and um, you know it
1: was again remarkable in Los Angeles. Then Pittsburgh came calling, so I went to Pittsburgh and was there. It's for typical. Years. I, I, how many times we've had a guest on here to go from Kathmandu <laughs> to Brunei to L.A. to Pittsburgh? I mean, all the time. That gets like, it's like I, all the time, you know. Yeah. I, I
0: have to give a shout out to my <laughs> colleague from Bayer, Priscilla, right, who. It's uh, still, I think, still there. Uh, but you know, she kind of dragged me at the time to uh, to Pittsburgh, not because I didn't want to go, just more. And I, I honestly, I love the city. I, I really love the city. And and it's actually, really it's, seeing... it's, yeah, it's kind yeah. of I, I mean, it's just beautiful. Like that's that's my right. kind of like with the bridges and the water. Like I don't know, I you know, yeah. while it's not different from Amsterdam for me, it was kind of like okay, you know, the bridges maybe. But anyway, right. yeah, just uh, really loved it.
1: <clears throat> Do you like Pittsburgh, Rasu?
2: Oh, I I love it. I um, you know really enjoyed um, the twelve years that um, that I was there with my family. My my boys uh, love it. Ruchi, my wife, loves it as well. Um, the older one was born in Pasadena in in Southern okay. California. Uh, the younger one was born in Pittsburgh, but because they grew up in Pittsburgh, that's all they know, right? So okay. um, we all as a family still bleed back the black and gold. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It's interesting when uh, we made the transition to the Carolinas. Um, yeah. And as, as part of my um, kind of landing here, uh, we gave the boys a, a tour of the Panthers Stadium here, right? This is the Bank right. of America Stadium. And uh, and then I was having uh, a dialogue with my CEO, my boss here, and uh, and he he asked me, "Hey, so do the boys have um, uh, you know a new favorite team as, yeah. as relates to football?" And uh, and it was the boys who you know tactfully but very correctly said, um, "I think we we might have a second favorite team." <laughs> <So. laughs>
1: <Good laughs> well positioned. And, yeah. and what was that movie? What was that movie with the the kids playing football in Pittsburgh? You know, it was like Tom Cruise was in it. That was that. Um
0: I'm horrible with I'm it. I would pretty I'm Google
1: pretty sure it. it was I'm sure it was like a suburb of Pittsburgh. There's a famous one growing up,
2: but uh, I, I, I doesn't come to me right now, but there have been many movies that have been shot in Pittsburgh,
1: uh, or with Pittsburgh as the backdrop, right? right. Including all the right oh, moves.
0: All the all right moves. All the right
1: moves. There you right. go. There you go. All the right moves. Yeah, that's a great football. That's it. Yeah. coming of age football you, movie, right? Just
0: just a quick thing. I you know, I don't know if you ever, <laughs> I don't really watch or listen to Joe Rogan, but every time I've seen or whatever, he's always like, can you like check this? And he sends it over to someone to Google it. <laughs> Jamie, we're, Jamie. We don't, we, don't, we don't have that. So I just had to Google <laughs> it. <laughs> That's,
1: That's awesome. Yeah. All the but, way to uh, Batman,
2: right? So I, I remember just, um, uh, you know, in one of the many meetings that we're having there, Uh, Batman was being shot in in downtown Pittsburgh and uh, that was like the most convenient excuse for anyone because I'd be driving um to the uh the U.S. Steel Tower which is the headquarters for UPMC and and would be stuck behind a Batmobile and I kid you not right (laughs) in the middle of summer that have this fake snow because you know some of the scenes were in the middle of winter right it was quite fascinating to uh, you know to see Anne Hathaway awesome. coming down you know the steps in her uh, in her bike and to be yeah. stuck behind a Batmobile and it was it was quite awesome. something. But yeah, great memories with Pittsburgh. But um, uh, you know I enjoyed my twelve years there, and uh, when Charlotte came calling, um, you know I, I I I rose to the challenge of. Um, really embracing some of, uh, you know, the opportunities, uh, in, uh, at Atrium Health. So really excited to be here. Cool.
0: One, one quick comment. I think you said in the, earlier that, you know, for the 30 years that you've been doing it, and I was going to comment, like, did you become a doctor at 10, ma'am? Like, <laughs> I, uh, like, I'm not trying to like, you know, compliment you, but it's, uh, it, like it just, and, and yes. somebody said like, um, oh, so-and-so was, you know, uh, is, 1989 or something right and i thought like 20 years ago no it's like it's, <laughs> the time is just flying it's crazy monday yeah. through friday That's um right. so fast forward i mean i think we've been in the same circles um you know kind of the digital health and this is the shot of digital health therapy right so yes it's an intervention still for jim and i every <laughs> wednesday
1: <laughs> we're to suck um, your enthusiasm out of you and
0: it's and it's <laughs> great and it's great to have a doctor on the other side of the screen so um but, you know, there's lots of promise, there's evidence, like, I'm, I'm actually, you know, on the ground in one of the largest health systems and a health system before. What are you seeing that's real? What is not? How do entrepreneurs look at it? Do we see different breeds of, like, is there maturity that we're seeing? Just honestly curious, you know, I mean, it's your a take. large, your take on the ground, for lack of a better term. Well,
2: yeah, so thank you. I appreciate that question. And, um, you know, I, I think about it from the perspective of where we are in this moment in time, in our journey through, um, you know, really transforming the future of health and care, and and where we are is we're hopefully on this side of the, on this other side of the pandemic, having learned all of the the stark lessons that the pandemic has taught us, right? And 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 I think you know more than anything else that's happened in the last three decades or more, um, it really has been truly eye-opening for all of us you know across uh, across this one global entity that we're a part of um, in in how we've lived through the pan- pandemic and how you know digital health uh has taken shape right it, it really has been um challenged in so many ways but the opportunistic ways in which we've been able to expedite some of the the core fundamentals of how we've embraced digital Right. Within days we're able to, for example, stand up a, an AI-powered chatbot, right, at the thick right. of the pandemic here at Atrium, virtual, like almost every other health system. Where,
0: where before it would have ways. taken 24 months cycle, right? Just to go through all the processes and 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 you know.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um and what was really interesting in, in that embrace, the the massive embrace of digital through the pandemic was not just kind of the, you know, quote unquote overnight success story, you snap your finger and suddenly it's on. I, I think it, in large parts for those who did it well, for those who did it in such a way that it's sustainable and scalable now on this side of the pandemic, I think it was a lot of, um, you know, what was the preparedness that went into the pandemic? Not that anyone knew that the pandemic was coming, right? right. So for example, at Atrium Health, you know, we've, we've done a lot of work, um, you know, in standing up what we call virtual edge, our virtual health platform and the various set of capabilities around all of the services from synchronous to asynchronous virtual care to all of the capabilities that we turned on um, and, and and really scaled uh, through the pandemic. But it was also about, um, you know, from a strategy perspective, because I'm a strategy guy, um, really making sure that we weren't just you know, uh, turning on a chatbot, or, you know, enabling uh, a larger, you know, uh, well-scaled virtual um, video environment. It really was about uh, strategically connecting the dots across the care transformation agenda and from an economic perspective, making sure that we're able to have the economic drivers aligned to it as well. So we have this um, strategy called connected care everywhere. And um, as, as the name would depict, it really is about you know what does care beyond the bricks and mortar facilities of a health system really look like and, and how do we bring in all of the components of remote patient monitoring and, and all of the elements of kind of this flip, right? Uh, it's not just episodic care anymore. It is always on ubiquitous 24 seven care um, that, that we need to be embracing. And, and what are all the economic drivers, not just the digital elements uh, as well as the care transformation elements that we should really be, be embracing. So so it's it's thinking through it, not just um, as one shiny object that you go after, but really in a very ethereal, in a very holistic, in a very well thought through manner. You know, yeah, when you,
1: when yeah. you think about like, just digging into your your, your area of, of study and practice within, within radiology, it, it, what's the state of, because radiology, wasn't that the promising you know, kind of pioneer of digital healthcare where where everyone talked about this capacity to read scans, you know, from anywhere in the world and you can hide. Where, where is that at right now? Is it all happened?
2: Yeah, yeah no. Um, so radiology the was really first, really, <laughs> really first to the dance there. And as it relates to embracing digital, we were, right. um, you know, really one of the first, if not the first specialty to embrace digital in the way that we did, right? PACS. In its right. early days, the picture of having communication systems, risk the radiology information systems, you know, those were, we were the earlier pioneers in embracing that, right? Really right. one of the first to move from analog to digital. I right. still remember those days where we had those alternators, those, you know, the boxes right. that you still see on TV and on every movie, I'm like no one uses those anymore. Come on, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but what's interesting, and maybe this is symbolic of also the embrace of digital in the rest of healthcare in the decades to follow, has been kind of the the hesitation to let go of the past and some right. of the cultural paradigms that we continue to struggle with in in the embrace of digital health in healthcare, right? So, case in point in radiology, um, you know, I talk about this all the time, where you know we still call it hanging protocols, right? Mm-hmm. So you double click on a study in our work list on the workstation and you right. hang it in the digital um, uh, the high you know the, the high fidelity right. diagnostic monitors. Um, but we're not hanging anything, right? Um, right, and, right. And we still call it a wet read and we still call it film and, you know, paper, you know, it's, right. parts and tabs, <laughs> and it's like hearts and tabs. All right, hold on. It's all of the nomenclature that we were used to in the analog right. world that we were not able to let go of. So, you know, so if I broaden the aperture well beyond radiology um, and, and maybe this is, this is a wake-up call, right? This is, where we as an industry need to let go of some of our older paradigms. I challenge my teams all the time and say, all right, what are you gonna unlearn today? Not just what are you gonna learn today? And I always say, hey, you know, um, for the longest time we've been doing digital, right? Let's do digital, right? Do digital through the pandemic. Let's do digital, let's embrace digital. But I think it's not just about doing digital, it, it is about being digital. And being digital and doing digital are two quite different things. Being digital is really about thinking in zeros and ones, not just replicating analog workflows, analog paradigms, analog mindsets with digital, but it really is about thinking in zeros and ones. It is about right. you know, representing information and insights in ways that we could never in our film-based and paper-based world. Right. Though,
0: though I do wish I can just do the you know the, 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 the round <laughs> swipe. <laughs> Yeah, like you know, people go, every, people go exercise. like this to represent yeah. the phone, but you're, like, yeah, like your phone doesn't look like this.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you don't it's you this.
2: do not a signal anymore. <laughs> is it? Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, old habits die hard, right? It's. Uh, yeah, right. I actually, I actually wonder, like, what are little kids doing these days? As that, is it still this? I don't know. So I, like... need to, I need to, to pay attention. <laughs> swipe. Yeah. Swipe yeah. away. <laughs>
2: if, if you look at my two boys, my older one especially is a sophomore in high school already, and you know he's. Uh, He's snapping wow. away and he's, you know, right. he embraces technology. I and mean, these are digital native yep. we're talking about here.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So you, you mentioned uh, Connect Care Anywhere, right? And, you know, and I'm saying this, not you, but I mean, generally, if you look at a p of a large health system, um, you know, the, the the money and the revenues do come from surgeries, you know, quite heavily. Um, now there's discussions around, to your point, you know, you guys have, you know, deployed, you know, telemedicine platform, you know, kind of the lines are starting to blur between kind of primary care, virtual care, hospital care, right, it's an ecosystem, there's now pay viters, right, um, the, the concept of them, and then comes hospitals at a, at home, right, just again, as a strategy guy, right? um, Curious on your thinking on those lines blurring, and then maybe focusing on hospital at at home, because that's been a hot topic recently. Yeah,
2: no, for sure. Um, So so connected care everywhere is our our strategy. Um, And, you know, when you think about the need for us to really embrace not just a different mindset, but also a, a different way of looking at healthcare in how it how it is uh, offered to, uh, to our patients and our, uh, and our consumers and our communities, it is about broadening the aperture, right? So for the longest time, healthcare has been about sick care. And, uh, and I'll challenge that assumption even further and say, you know, there hasn't been much care uh, in, in, that in any case, mm. right? But it, let's assume that it's been for decades at a time, maybe centuries at a time, really focused in on sick care um, right. You broaden that aperture a little bit, and it's about preventative care. You broaden it further, and it's about well care, right? Uh, but but I would challenge those assumptions further and say, really, at the broadest sense of that aperture that we're opening up, healthcare should really be about living your best life possible. Mm. And I think that's where the economic models really then start to align. That's where, you know, some of what we're seeing out there in, in, in this continuum of care and engagement um, and meeting the needs, the hearts, minds, and desires of our consumers who are sometimes patients, but all the time people, um, right. you know, that's where I think we really need to be focused in on um, as, a, as, a, as a healthcare industry. And so you know, I, I simplified by saying, hey, look, for the longest time, we've been focusing in on patient-centered care and the patient is still in the middle of that care paradigm but really the focus is on person-centered care. And, and that's where Hospital at Home uh, comes in as well, right? Because um, in the thick of the pandemic, we were able to stand up all of the different elements of the Hospital at Home program here at Atrium Health. You know, This is one of the most, in fact, the largest Hospital at Home program in the country at, that po- at this point. Um, we were granted the CMS acute care home waiver way back in March of 2021 um, okay. We published you know, uh, uh, quite a bit in the Annals of Internal Medicine and a number of other journals in the work that we've done. Um, it is one of the largest also with, uh, with an education program that's affiliated with it. So it's just remarkable, but we were standing it up to essentially meet a dire need at that time. And that was for us to manage um, the craziness of what was happening at that point, right? So COVID right. patients and COVID presumptive patients coming into our hospitals, our, our inpatient beds and ICUs just filling up to the brim. And and you know what what it was like, right? We're, we're talking about and thinking about, you know, uh, going into the stadiums and the pop-up clinics and, and all of that. Right. And we said, all right, we need a better way to manage this. So we built our, almost overnight, our Atrium Health Hospital at Home program and created this integrated model with two virtual floors Uh, separated Mm -hmm. by level of acuity, right? staff with separate care teams that included physicians and APPs um, and registered nurses and PharmDs and social workers and paramedics and remote patient monitoring. And Mm -hmm. and we had kind of the first floor um, or the virtual observation unit, the VOU as we call it, designed for low acuity patients who can be managed remotely with right. daily telemedicine type support uh, symptom monitoring by primarily the RNs, the registered nurses. And then the second floor again, the virtual second floor um, in this hospital at home, right? So this is in the comfort of yep, yep. Uh, patients' homes, uh, be the virtual acute care unit, the, the VACU, um, designed for patients who would otherwise have been admitted to a traditional bricks and mortar hospital, um, uh, providing inpatient care such as oxygen and medical treatments and daily right. virtual physician rounding and virtual um, uh, vital sign monitoring and twice daily nursing assessments and daily paramedic visits. So it was really remarkable how kind of almost in a, in a snap of our finger, we're able to stand up the service Uh, and these capabilities, and then scale it in the manner that we've done, uh, really, in a a way that no one else has across um, the United States. And what's even more interesting is where we're taking it from here.
0: And sorry, I just, um, I'm curious on how much of that is being used, right? Because again, when you stand something up in a dire need, and then because we've seen some of the numbers, even on telemedicine, obviously spiked, leveled off, again, I'm not keeping track of a lot of this, to be frank, but I'm curious on the hospital at home and that virtual VOU, Uh, you know, I feel like just from a convenience for everyone, it should continue, but I'm sure people also wanna see their doctors face-to-face, yeah, humans.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, the good news in this is that um, it has continued to grow on an upward trajectory in terms of the embrace of our Atrium Health Hospital at Home program. And, um, and we've saved, you know, thousands of um, hospital bed days, um, you know, serving thousands of patients across the board, and it continues to be on an, uh, be on an increasing trajectory. Uh, what we're doing at Atrium is um, not staying still, right, because we know that we are now getting on this side of the pandemic and and the real impetus for us is to take all of the innovations that we put in place in our hospital at home program and say, all right, where is it going from here? How do we embrace a much more holistic strategy? And we've already been putting in place a number of core elements around you know, care management, workflows, device management, patient monitoring and escalations, um, mm-hmm. driving better patient and, and uh, consumer engagement, and then all of the analytics and interoperability capabilities, really focused in on home. Right. Yep. Um, you know, home is where the heart is. Right. And we're seeing yep. a lot of these elements happening in the industry right now around, you know, others investing in, in home and home care. But um, what we're really betting on is the future of where um, health happens at home, you know, with right. remote patient monitoring and virtual care and advanced analytics and in-home clinical care services. Um, really then seamlessly integrated with this kind of this orchestration layer with additional support services and, cr- and cross-continuum care, which I think is really important as well. So it's not just a standalone service that any you know, pop-up mom-and-pop mom and clinic would, would provide uh, from a home health delivery perspective, but it is tied back to the seamless orchestration layer for additional support services and cross-continuum care, which I think is important because we're human beings. We break down. But we yeah. want to provide care in the comfort of the home, but we're always there from a catchment perspective when and if you need to come to
1: a, a hospital facility for anything else um, beyond what can be provided at home. And um, just playing off what you said before and like getting people to not use words, you know, what are you going to unlearn? Is, is it going to be a hospital in the home? you know, like would I really want a hospital in my home or, you know, to your point, like would I want like health uh-huh. in my home or like yeah, my so best life?
2: Yeah, we're calling it health at home. And, um, and <laughs> you know, it encompasses a lot of different elements of not just the core components of hospital and, you know, the things that you associate with a hospital, but, um, you know, we, we ask our patients all the time and our consumers and our, and our uh, community members, you know, what matters most to you? Right, right. Not, not just what's the matter with you, because that's what you know rolled off the tongues of doctors everywhere. But what what matters most to you, right? And what we heard loud and clear were health and happiness, right. living independently, uh, uh, healthy aging, financial yeah. management. I mean, you know, how do you how do you manage um, living right. on a specific budget and the rising cost of, you know, <clears throat> home costs and in healthcare costs and all of that. These are right. these are real priorities. So. We're really focusing in on these drivers of health and making sure that we're 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 bringing together a set of services and capabilities to uh, to really meet the needs of what matters the most um, to uh, to our consumers.
0: You know, it's interesting. One of our guests, uh, I don't know if you know him, Gautam Gulati, uh, started this the the Well Home, and yeah. even you know thinking through like interior wellness design, right? Like right. the whole concept of it is you know, where you live, your atmosphere, how even your home set up, what other people in your home eat, right? Because we all may have different habits. So back to this kind of well at home is actually, or being, I think you even said this before, preventative care and then well care, right? And so it's all about just health, just being healthy
1: and happy. Um, they, could, they could use a lot of healthcare coaches, right, Eugene? They could. Use a lot of- <laughs> hey, listen, you, you said <laughs> it. You said it. You said it. <laughs>
0: um, love it. So I, you know, before we go to Jim's famous question, I got one more, and I've seen you tweet about this, and I do think. Um, well, not do think. I know you know doctors, physici- physicians, physicians um, on the front lines are humans too. And I did, you know, it wouldn't be if I didn't talk about this, especially with you around burnout, right? I I honestly don't know how docs do it. I really don't. And I've seen you tweet quite a lot about it and
2: just wanted to hear your thoughts on where that's going and how do we help as yeah, individuals. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate the question. And there's the opportunity to bring a little focus into the issue of burnout and, you know, through the the global pandemic that we've been living through and we're still living through um, has been the epidemic of mental health and epidemic of, of, of clinician burnout, not just physician burnout, but you know, colleagues yeah, yeah. yeah. and such yeah. as well. Um, and, and so you know, the reality is that look, um, you know, um, it, it, it's not getting any easier, right? And especially in the environment that we're functioning in today. And that's why I continue to challenge ourselves to broaden that aperture and think more holistically about the person and not just the patient so that we can, you know, uh, change the paradigm altogether. Because I got into healthcare as a physician to make an impact on the life of that person, right? And uh, and it's, you know, oftentimes we get into healthcare for all of those reasons, but we end up being, um, you know, someone who's just you know, stuck in, uh, in, in documenting and billing and, and kind of the transactional elements that have defined the reality of healthcare today. And I believe in the heart of my hearts, that we really need to elevate ourselves from the transactional elements of healthcare to more of the experiential elements of healthcare, experience matters. And this is not just for our patients and our consumers that we deal with on a day-in, day-out basis. You know, we talk about engage me and hear me and know me. Right. But it is also about our um, our uh, clinicians, our physicians, our nurses, and others. And it's important for us to focus in on their experiences and how we're able to you know utilize um, technology not to be an impediment to better care, um, uh, but but to really be an enabler of better care. Because for the yeah. longest times, you know, technology gets thrown at clinicians, yeah. and we're just expected to you know. Um, um, grin and bear with it, right? So there's free pizza, you come in for training, you know, there's a cheat sheet, uh, and, and then, you know, you live with it. And, mm. uh, and we're not, you know, co-participants in designing those workflows. We're not co-participants in building those solutions. Mm. And so, you know, that's what we've been focusing in on here at Atrium Health. You know, we have this I... program that, uh, we stood up, uh, right about the time that I joined, uh, with, uh, Dr. Scott Rizmiller, my partner in crime. He's our chief physician executive here and uh, we call it the best place to care program. And That really takes into account all of the different elements of how do we head on address these issues on the ground? Uh, and how do we make sure that you know, we're able to uh, programmatically and systematically uh, have the right elements in place so that our, um, our clinicians do really feel that this is the best place to care. Amazing.
0: Awesome. One quick comment on that. Instead of the pizza, should switch to like broccoli or something. I don't know. Just, <laughs> just, just a side note about health. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> well, you know, we, we're getting into, uh, Jim, I'm going to hand this off to you to your last famous question
1: at the end okay, of every so, episode. So go with me here, uh, Rasu. Imagine yourself at a Panthers Steelers game and your kids are torn because all their buddies are, Rooting for one team, but they're, as you said, black and gold. <laughs> they're black and gold. You're sitting at the game, and this, um, this doctor runs out into the field and you know and helps one of the, you know, the players, and then runs back. And you see him walking out, and he goes, "Goes Russ, is that you, Rasu? He says, um, "I'm actually a, a former radiologist right now, and I'm just doing this as a side gig. And I, I'm from Kathmandu, and I trained in Malaysia. I spent some time in L.A., and I'm starting my own." Healthcare at home, digitization, digital health project, and what would what would be the one piece of advice would you give to that young radiologist, Kathmandu entrepreneur?
2: Oof. Um, you know, my message really would be around resiliency. I think um, you know the need for us to have you know resiliency as a core fundamental of a budding entrepreneur. Um, I think is so darn critical. It is hard, healthcare is hard. I mean, we, we all know this, we've, we've, we've seen the biggest and the best come into healthcare to solve for healthcare and fail miserably. So, you know, it's one thing to have vision, um, uh, you know, uh, but but I think it's also really important to have composure and bring in the right reasoning, um, uh, but, but also bring in the right levels of collaboration, right? Who are your networks? How do you make sure that you're able to manage perceptions and bring in the social context in those collaborations that you're you're formulating and then and then you know i think you know one key element of resilience too is tenacity i think uh you know it's really important for that younger self of me to understand that you know doing this requires a a a bit of uh resilience that's backed by tenacity right persistence having uh, a healthy dose of realistic optimism (laughs) And the ability to bounce back, I think that's really critical as well. So, you know, a bit of a reality check um, because we all come into this with um, such gusto, you know, and we're like anything's possible and anything is possible, but it is important to have a healthy dose of resiliency built into kind of the fundamentals of who it is that, uh, that we are as
1: entrepreneurs and as doers. Awesome! I love it. Composed tenacity—that sounds like you. (laughs) Composed (laughs) tenacity. (laughs) Always the
0: wise words from Rasu Shrestha. Thank you, and um, thank you for being with us. Yeah, really appreciate it. And for all the listeners and viewers, hit subscribe, pass it on, and see you next week.